Welcome to The Paleo View. I'm bestselling author and co-creator of realeverything.com, Stacey Toth. I focus on being healthy inside and out through real life, food, and talk. I'm Dr. Sarah Ballantyne, New York Times bestselling author and creator of thepaleomom.com. I'm passionate about improving scientific literacy around public health topics. I like hashtags and bone broth. And I'm just a super nerd. Hello, listeners, and hello, Sarah. Welcome back from the time warp of the West Coast. (laughs) I'm back in my home of the Eastern Time Zone. I am currently wet because I just got back. (laughs) That's not an inappropriate comment. I just got back from water aerobics. Your laughter makes it inappropriate, okay? I'm sorry. I'm so jet-lagged. I can't help it. It was not inappropriate until you started laughing. And I just wanted to tell our audience. Sorry. So here's here's an interesting factoid that our listeners will pique their curiosity and also go, hmm, I just slathered myself in vitamin C. I have like this vitamin C serum that I just put all over my skin because I just got out of a chlorinated pool and I am not showering. I'm podcast recording. (laughs) So it's like all over my skin. And just right before we recorded, I was like, oh, hold on. I got to go grab something. And I come back and I'm like slathering myself in vitamin C. And here's the thing. I don't even know if that is beneficial or not until we do a podcast on it. So it's on the the to-do list. I officially created a list of requested podcasts that I have, and I'm going to move that one to the top. So just for the record. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And I actually like, uh, that's a topic I have never researched before. So I have like nothing to offer you today. Like I, I I don't know if our, this is one of the things that becomes like really clear when people talk to me at conferences. And I don't know because we like take time, we actually think about the topic and we have questions and we prepare and I do research in advance of podcasting, I don't know if this is something that necessarily comes through for our listeners that much, but I am a very, very firm believer in admitting when I don't know the answer to something rather than just making stuff up on the spot and trying to like pretend like I know everything. And I'm like, like, you know, obviously everyone should listen to me about everything because I know everything about everything. Like, I don't believe in portraying that. Like, that's not, I'm, that's not what I'm, tr- that's not, that's not in my like wheelhouse. I, I would far rather admit when I don't know the answer to a question. And then hopefully that means that when I do have science to back up the answer to something, that it gives it more like gravitas. So I have no idea if your vitamin C lotion is specifically going to be battling the damage of chlorine on your skin. I'll tell you this. It's not going to hurt. I mean, no, I don't, I can't imagine why it would hurt. Vitamin C has all kinds of benefits for the skin. So if nothing else, I'm going to be bright and rejuvenated (laughs) and, you know, all all kinds of wonderful, magical things are going to happen now that I've bathed in this vitamin (laughs) C serum. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, I, this is, this is how we get show topics. 
ladies and gentlemen, this is how it happens. Um, but you know, actually, uh, you know, it's it's not that different from what drives my day to day research because really, like the stuff that I dig into the science and like really do those deep dives. It's it's one of two things. It's either something that's personally relevant to me, so it's something that um, I'm struggling with with my health or an immediate family member is struggling with, or it's like one step removed and it's a friend who has asked me that question. And you just get the like extra bonus of like the motivation of like creating it for the podcast. But it's, I mean, that that is like the topics on my website or in my books, they all have their heart in something that I researched because it was personally relevant or like one step removed personally relevant. Does that make sense? Oh, it makes sense. And speaking of which, <laughs> I am super excited for you to tell us about your science-based briefings. I don't know. It was a presentation, mm, talk. It was a keynote. It was keynote. It was panel. Mm. It was all the things. You were blowing up my Insta stories. I was like, <laughs> my gosh, how many pictures of Sarah can I see today? I love your face. I'm excited that you met so many people and they were excited to meet you and they were all sharing about how awesome your talk was. And so I need you to tell me, because I've never been to an NTA conference, how does it compare to other conferences? I'm imagining that the collective brain force in the room is incredible <laughs> because everybody is there to like learn about nutritional yeah. therapy. Um, and I want, I want you to tell us all the things. Go. Okay. Um, so I think the... First, to start with with what the NTA is like. So this is my third time speaking at the NTA annual conference, although I haven't been in a couple of years. And so by far, this was their biggest attendance ever. They had about 800 attendees. They're mostly either NTPs or NTCs, so they're graduates of the Nutritional Therapy Association programs, or they're other healthcare practitioners who are still interested in sort of continuing education. So a lot of the Graduates of the NTA are getting continuing education credits at the conference, but I think there's also some ways that some of the other other alternative health programs are sort of interfacing for also continuing education. So they they plan their conferences with that in mind, right? So it's continuing education for providers in the health and wellness sphere. And for me, that's really exciting because, uh, first of all, it's a very friendly audience, um, but it's also an audience that has this like base education that is so fun and interesting to build on. So I get to walk into a room and I design my talks a little bit differently for this audience. So I design it, um, you know, compared to something like my workshop or talking at Paleo FX, where I try to assume like maybe ninth grade science as a starting point and then try to bring everybody up to the same level. When I walk into the NTA conference, I can, you know, I know that they've done a ton of education around digestion, around um, gut health, around hormone health, around uh, nutrient density. Like that's all part of their curriculum. In fact, they um, NTA switched and they actually use Paleo Principles as their main textbook now for for their program. So I know what that, I know. Isn't that cool? Um, that's like super, super, super cool. And I had nothing to do with it. They just let me know. So, but it's like a super honor to, to have them switch from the textbook that they've used for the previous 
10 or 11 years or whatever it was to now they use paleo principles. And so, um, so that, that all that sort of like base knowledge, they've, they've already been exposed to, except maybe some of the current students are still kind of deep in the middle of it. So what I was able to do was do a keynote presentation on the gut microbiome, but really like hone in on the most exciting new information that I've uncovered in my research for the new book, um, I, you know, and show like graphs from scientific papers that I find really exciting and like know that that room, every single person in that room is just as excited to, to see that information. So the stuff that like, when I found that paper, I was like talking to myself alone in my basement where I normally spend my days, but like so excited to see this information that I'm like literally looking at my computer screen going like, what? Whoa. And then I was able to like show the, the, you know, the data from those papers to this audience and like get that same reaction, which was super, super fun. And so I had, um, I just, I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed being able to do this sort of deep dive into the gut microbiome and really get into how different fiber types support different types of bacterial species, but also that protein's important and that um, phytochemicals, especially polyphenols are important and that fats are important and that nutrient density is important and that hormone regulation is important. Like our hormones impact our gut microbiome. Like it's, it's just, it's such cool information. And I know we've talked about some bits and pieces on the podcast now, but like literally we could probably talk about it every podcast for the next two years and probably still not get into like every single detail. So it's, it was so fun to start start being able to share that um, and share that with practitioners because there's so much information um, that I've uncovered that's really actionable about, you know, talking about dietary choices, um, uh, ways to sort of tinker with macronutrients um, and and micro, like important micronutrients for gut microbiome health for those practitioners to start implementing with their clients. So I received the most amazing feedback from my presentation. I think um, it was, I mean, I, I, I put a lot of effort into my presentation, so I'm really glad <laughs> that people loved it and found it really informative and they were just basically nerding out with me. Um, but what was really fun for me was just having so many conversations basically for the whole rest of my time there because I spoke um, first thing, I was the first session Saturday morning, and then I was at the conference all day Saturday and all day Sunday. And to just have like, you know, conversation after conversation after conversation with people expressing their appreciation for that information. And then, you know, also just things like they found my talk very engaging. And I, I do actually try to be funny when I give presentations. Like, I know I'm not supposed to admit that. Because when you say I try to be funny, that's like, basically. I, I put memes and GIFs in presentations yeah, yeah. now. It's like, I mean, because it's hard for everybody to sit through, even <laughs> if it's interesting and educational and they're engaged. Mm -hmm. Like, sometimes the density of the information for a long amount of time can just like overwhelm people. So just even a small laugh now and then makes a big difference, right. well, I actually, think, in people's retention, you know? There's studies showing that laughter actually helps with memory consolidation. So I actually... That's my excuse for of making Of course I mean, you really, have science to support it. I really just like to make people laugh while I'm educating them because that's really rewarding to me. But my official excuse 
for infusing my talks with at least a spattering of humor is that um, there is some science to support that people will retain that information because whatever made them laugh will stick in their brain more so than whatever the information was, but that remembering the laughter will help to draw that information out in their memories. So, um, so I, I do, I do actually put some thought into like, how, how can my presentations be funny? And I do, I do use like memes and funny images and, and I do, I, I do strategize that ahead of time. Um, but so then after my presentation, I had, I guess, technically what was supposed to be like an hour long book signing at, um, there was sort of like a publisher's table there. Um, and due to a uh, miscommunication, they didn't actually have, uh, my books for sale, um, which wasn't, I mean, these, these things happen, but, um, what was cool is I just, I decided to go anyways, because I figured some people might've, you know, trucked my books along with them, but it was also a really good place to just be findable for a while. And I ended up standing there for three hours with a crowd that sort of ranged from probably like 10 or 12 people at its smallest, about 50 people at its, at its largest, just like, answer. it was just like a Q and A, it's just like someone would ask a question and I would answer it. And then someone would ask a follow-up and we just kind of follow that path for a while. And someone asked another question and we'd follow it. And we ended up talking about this like huge range. Some of it was direct, you know, questions related to my presentation. And some of it was just like, what do you think of this? And it was just completely, you know, there was so like no holds barred, like any topic, go ahead and ask me. And it was so much fun to just like hang out with that crowd of people. There were a couple of people that I'd met before in the crowd. Um, so it was, it was, it, that was really, really fun. And then I basically spent um, the rest of the day on Saturday uh, walking about half of the exhibit floor. That was one of the things that actually compared to the last time I went to NTA, which I think was three years ago. I think I haven't gone the last two years, um, but I'm losing track of time. So generally if this is just as a, like to our listeners, whenever I say a uh, number of years, I'm, I'm usually not sure. I have a really hard time keeping track of time in general. <laughs> that so. is also happens to me, like, unless I, unless I can remember, like, oh, I was a senior in high school. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, my frame of reference for years is terrible. Yeah. If so, if I can remember, like, how old my kid was, or like, I remember, I remember the day that I went paleo, like, I remember the date. So I always have, but so I can do the math and figure out how long I've been paleo. Um, but in terms of like what I started, like, I know I started AIP the very next January, but like, when did I get an organ meat? I think it was that spring. Like, when did I get into the sleep stuff? Was it that year? Like, I, you know, like that starts, when did I, you know, switch to, you know, natural skin and hair care products? Like those types of, of dates get very, very fuzzy for me. So I go, well, it's been a number of years that I, I can't remember, I'd actually, I'd actually have to go back and find my slides from those presentations and find out what year they were created in order to know for sure. Um, so I think I skipped, skipped one year for sure, but I think I skipped two years. And um, the thing that I noticed that was a huge difference between this NTA annual conference and the last time I went, however many years ago that was, was the number of exhibitors. So it went from being like a decent size room with like 
four, maybe, maybe four rows to this year. It was in three, four different areas. There was a room on the other side of the elevators and then the giant room over here and then the side room. And then there was the room downstairs. And it was just like, it, just like, it seemed like just a huge number of exhibitors. Um, and it was really fun because many of them I know from having a relationship with those companies or seeing them at other events. Um, but I also got a chance to sort of meet some new companies and talk with the owners. And that to me is always really fun because it's a great opportunity to find new resources that might be really great for my audience uh, or our listeners, for example. But it's also a great opportunity for me to find you know, new small companies that are just getting started that could really use some support, you know, and I'm happy to lend them that support when I can see that they've got a great product and they're, you know, they've got a great mission. And, and I, I always love being able to um, use my audience to help rise the, you know, raise those, those new startups um, and, and give them as much of a leg up as, as I'm able to. So it was, it's, that was it's really crazy. Fun. I just want to add to that. Like it's, I know we've mentioned it before, but it's incredible for me to see like some of those startups, for example, cassava flour or mm-hmm. primal kitchen or vital proteins and epic all of these brands apricity paleo balls like all of these co- companies we originally met or connected to even simple mills i remember i don't know if you mm-hmm. remember this i think I, it was the very first if not the second paleo effects they had the worst table all the way in the back left corner but they had a big long line of people interested because they were making um they had like a cake ball maker and they were putting their pancake batter in the cake ball maker and it was popping it right out and it's the smell was wafting through the whole place <laughs> and i was like what is happening and i found them and i loved it and now look at them they're like everywhere I, you know see at day in costco yes Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Chosen Foods is now in Costco. Simple Mills is in Costco. I mean, I'm forgetting a ton of people. There's there's a paleo granola company um, whose name I can never remember um, that the kids love there. Like, it's just incredible to me how mainstream some of these brands who get their start at conferences like this. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's that movement of people who support the brands, like when you, when you put your money where your beliefs are, what power that can have, you know, it's just like incredible to me. Yeah. It's really fun. And I mean, I'm certainly not going to take credit for any of these companies success um, because really what's driving their success is a good product and a really strong mission statement, but it's really fun for me to watch them grow and, know that I had this like teeny tiny little part in, in helping them get, get, you know, off the ground. And, you know, for example, actually at uh, the NTA was Paleo Powder, who I met at Paleo Effects two years ago, and they had um, a couple of different sort of like all-purpose seasonings. And people kept asking them if they had, if it was AIP, if it was AIP, and they'd never heard of AIP before. So they found me and they were like, okay, we don't know what AIP is. Tell us what we need. And we had this whole long conversation about um, what would be good, you know, safe AIP seasonings. And I said, if you're not sure, like, feel free to email me. I'm like, happy to, you know, give you food lists. 
and they came out with an AIP seasoning blend. And now their seasoning blends, um, both their regular paleo blends and their AIP blends, are in Walmart. That's amazing. That's just like in two years. Like, I mean, that's, yeah. Yeah. Um, so what I would say about these conferences, I get asked a lot, like, do I recommend these kind of conferences? And A, I think it really depends on what your goals are and what the mm-hmm. conference will accomplish for you. So in particular, this the NTA conference is clearly specific for nutritional therapy practitioners. Um, and other, I would say, and other healthcare providers. So there were some naturopaths there. There were some doctors there. There were some... RDs there. So there certainly was That's awesome. like other, other healthcare providers other than NTPs and NTCs there. Okay. And then the second point is, and now I'm not even jet lagged and I'm like, what's my second point? <laughs> my second point <laughs> is to really consider like what kind of conference ticket you want to get. I know that there are a lot of people that go to these kinds of conferences in their multi-day conferences and you could potentially get a ticket for, you know, just the vendor floor or one day on um, participating in the events or a whole ticket for all of it, you know? So really like look at the schedule and figure out what are your goals? What are you trying to accomplish? And even if you can't afford to go to all of the talks in some of these conferences, usually the vendor floor conference is very affordable and you have the opportunity to meet and talk with so many people um, and make connections. And, and maybe if you, you have a kind of health minded business, like network and make the connection so that next year you'll have more revenue on your business and you can go to the full talks and all that kind of stuff. But um, for those people that missed it, are you going to share your information somewhere or is it video streamed or anything like that? Um, so, um, other than in your upcoming gut health book, obviously that's where all the best information is going to be. Um, I, so they will not be, the, the talk will not be freely available. Um, because NTA records all of the talks for continuing education. So people I think are still able to like get the DVDs through the NTA, but I don't know if that's accessible to non-students. Um, I will be doing a similar presentation at Paleofax, which I don't know what stage I'm going to be on yet. That's still a month and a half away. So depending on what stage I'm on, that will be hopefully streamed and, um, and it'll be a similar content, but going back to the general audience and not assuming that everybody's got, you know, (laughs) that everyone's a healthcare provider and can like start from halfway up the launch pad. Um, so hopefully that will be, and certainly, you know, as I find out more information about what stage I'm going to be on and whether or not that stage is going to be live streamed, we can definitely share that here. Um, but in the meantime, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I've never been able to like freely share NTA talks before. So I, I doubt that that is a policy that has changed. So that's kind of a lame answer. I do though. I still want to tell you about the panel that I was on Sunday morning. Okay. I'm listening. Why are you saying it? Like you're afraid to tell me. I felt, I felt like asking if I, when people could get the talk felt, I guess we were wrapping up that part that we're wrapping up Saturday, right? 
not sure. wrapping up the whole thing. I, I mean, I don't know what days you were doing what because I wasn't there. I missed That's out. That's true. Um, so the conference was three days and I was only there for the second and third. Um, or I guess it's like two and a half days. Um, I missed the Friday evening because my flight landed too late. But um, so I talked Saturday and then on Sunday morning, I was on a panel that was moderated by Mickey Trescott, who was on the podcast two weeks ago. And on the, the panel was Angie Alt, who is Mickey's uh, partner in autoimmunewellness.com. And they co-wrote the Autoimmune Wellness Handbook together. And Angie Alt is a certified health coach and an NTC. Um, myself, um, Dr. Rob Abbott, who is a functional medicine doctor uh, in Virginia. Yes, Virginia. And um, I think he's based in Charlottesville, um, but I'm not 100% sure on that. And then Dr. Cor Gory Cornigetti, who is based out of Scripps in San Diego. And the reason for having those two particular physicians, Dr. Conagetti is a gastroenterologist, is that they are two physicians who have both seen the AIP be incredibly effective in their patients. And so they both actually ran clinical trials. So Dr. Conagetti was the first person to run an AIP clinical trial. And so it was her trial that was published uh, in late 2017 that was looking at the autoimmune protocol in inflammatory bowel disease sufferers. What they did was they did uh, an 11-week study. The first six weeks was running the patients through Angie's SAD to AIP in six program. And then the second, the last five weeks was sort of like a maintenance phase. And what they actually found in Dr. Conagetti's study is that 73% of the study participants were in full clinical remission just by the end of the six-week transition, and they maintained remission for the other five weeks. And all of the patients saw quantifiable improvement in their disease activity over the course of the study. So it was an incredibly powerful study, even though it was fairly small scale. Um, Dr. Conagetti is uh, working on some additional analysis from those patients, which um, has been submitted. And once that paper is published and I'll be able to talk more about it, it, it's, I got the like cliff notes version from her and it sounded very, very exciting. And then Dr. Abbott, um, did something similar. He just submitted the paper for peer review, um, yesterday. So, um, very, very exciting. And, um, his, uh, his, study was a sort of similar structure, but looking at Hashimoto's thyroiditis. And, uh, and again, right, the, once the paper is published, I'll be able to talk more about it. But these are sort of two clinicians who have really led the clinical research using the autoimmune protocol in different autoimmune diseases. And it's really neat to be able to collaborate with like these, these, you know, physicians, it's, it's really interesting. So the panel, a discussion as a whole was sort of, um, it sort of touched on how health coaches and nutrition, nutritional therapists can interface with physicians. Um, but also a large part of the conversation was just about uh, scientific evidence, how we, how we approach therapies for which the scientific evidence is maybe not as robust as we'd like versus incorporating, say, alternative therapies that are well-supported by science versus 
embracing alternative therapies that are disproven by science and sort of talking about, um, you know, for me, it was an opportunity to really talk about the fact that all of us in the alternative health sphere have this uphill battle in terms of providing people with information that will actually help them get healthy in the context of 40 years of dietary guidelines from the government that were incredibly flawed and actually accelerated the rise in chronic illness. And so we've got this like this huge uphill battle in correcting that top-level misinformation. And I really feel that, um, you know, it's one thing to sort of talk about something for which the scientific evidence is in, right, like the autoimmune protocol started with a couple thousand different studies that validated each small piece of it. Um, And it's only now that clinical trials using the AIP as a whole are sort of catching up to the community, but it started with every single piece was validated by science. So that's sort of a different situation versus doing something in which there's been a scientific study that has disproved it as an alternative therapy versus something that maybe is really interesting, but has some nuance, right? So talking about why it's important to stay rooted in scientific evidence in order to really effectively re-educate people. And that as soon as we start to allow pseudoscience into whether it's uh, practices, if we're in the alternative um, health or the the health and wellness sphere in general, or whether it's into um, blog posts or social media shares, or even our conversations with um, people as leaders or as influencers, when we start to allow that sort of pseudoscience to creep in, we actually undermine the validity of all of the other much more important messaging that, that we're doing. So it was a, a really nice opportunity to, to emphasize the importance of keeping information rooted in scientific evidence, while acknowledging that, of course, you know, it's, we, that there are boundaries to human knowledge. We don't know everything. There are plenty of areas where we need more data. So in those cases, there is certainly room for interpretation and experimentation and finding individual tolerance. So acknowledging that we don't necessarily know everything and there's certainly plenty of unanswered questions um, when we're faced with evidence that disproves something that we previously believed to be true, that it's very, very important to stay open to that information. So I also talked a little bit about... um, the sort of tribalism that is basically in the entire world today sort of seeping into the health and wellness area in the sense that we tend to have, as human beings, we tend to have the instinct to surround ourselves with um, information and people that agree with us and that don't challenge our beliefs And what we're seeing now is this tendency to be more dismissive of information that doesn't necessarily agree with our set of beliefs uh, rather than being open to it. And it doesn't, you know, like a a study that doesn't necessarily agree with other studies in the field doesn't mean that it disproves the whole field. There can be something really interesting going on. There can be something really nuanced. It might mean that a particular phenomenon doesn't apply to a particular group of people and then decide, figuring out like why that might be. That's like a really interesting 
you know, scientific question. So it's not about accepting every piece of information as truth and being willing to then, then just completely drop everything that we knew up until that point, but rather the opposite of not dismissing it because it, it doesn't conform with our beliefs. So being open to looking at the full body of scientific literature, being open to new information and being willing to accept that conflicting information is out there. And sometimes the answers are much more complex than we tend to believe. So the panel was, um, there was, I was told by about eight different people that it was the best panel they'd ever seen at an NTA annual conference, which is a huge compliment because their panels are always super, super fascinating. But I, I, as I sort of wrap up how fantastic the panel was, like I have to do a super shout out to Mickey and Angie because the panel was not just their idea, but the questions were very, very carefully crafted. They spent hours and hours and hours planning that panel in order to be able to have this amazing story arc um, in which, you know, I sort of got to talk about the value of science, but then Dr. Conagetti got to talk about um, how, how to talk to conventional medicine specialists and how to sort of get their you know, get there, like how she became interested in the AIP and that entire story and then how clinical trials are formed. And then Dr. Abbott really got to talk about the functional medicine perspective and where that fits into the, the grander scheme of, um, you know, medical practice. And then Angie got to talk about um, the really incredibly essential role of nutritional therapists in wellness and that, um, you know, instead of being frustrated at something being beyond, uh, their scope of practice of really appreciating and honoring how vital their role is. And so then Dr. Abbott and Angie got to talk about how they've collaborated in the past. Um, and Dr. Abbott is setting up a practice that incorporates, um, a nutritionist and, and how he, that has changed how he, um, treats patients because he now starts with the nutrition piece. And then after a couple of months, it basically uncovers everything that he needs to dig deeper on rather than starting with, uh, you know, I don't know what can be easily treated with nutrition and what requires more testing. And so it actually streamlines his practice and then he and Angie got to talk about how they interface and, and how vital the each person's role is within their scope of practice. So it was a it was a really phenomenal panel. I was honored to be a part of it, but I definitely need to make sure that the main shout out goes to Mickey and Angie because they they were the masterminds behind it. It sounds like a topic I would have loved to listen to, and I know it's when. One of the things that we've talked about here on the show and, you know, the example that we give is fish oil, right? Like, hmm. um, but there's so many different kinds of examples that you can point to the justification for um, consuming meat versus grass-fed meat and its healthfulness and carcinogens. Like we had that as a whole podcast. So um, that's, I mean, it's such an incredible topic and I'm glad you got to 
share that with people because I think especially with a room full of practitioners, it's important for them to keep their mind open to that kind of thing and Mm -hmm. not just make assumptions all the time. So awesome. Well, I know that you just came back from (laughs) your second trip to the West Coast and you're jet lagged. Um, We want you to go get rest so that you can read all about vitamin C combating (laughs) Combating chlorine, combating chlorine (laughs) effects. (laughs) Uh, so go rest so that you can come back and, and research a topic for us. We appreciate you getting on after your trip and to our listeners. Uh, if you have questions or interests, I point you to Sarah's new paleo magazine. What is it? It's not an episode. It's, it's an issue. issue. It's a special issue. You almost forgot. So- I know I did. I totally forgot. It's because I'm super jet lagged and have massive brain fog. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So actually it was uh, just released this week. Granted, I think we're recording a little bit ahead of when we normally would because we wanted to talk about NTA while it was still all fresh in my mind. But um, so it's out. The only way to get it. I mean, I obviously highly recommend a paleo magazine subscription. I am a semi-regular contributor to their regular issues as well. And I think very, very highly of the magazine in general, but, uh, the only way you can get a special issue is by going to stores. So you can't buy them online. Um, and if you have a subscription, they're not included as part of your subscription. Um, and, but, Barnes and Nobles has paleo magazines. Whole Foods have paleo magazines. Lots of local health food stores have paleo magazines. And if you go, we can put it in the show notes. Um, there's uh, on the announcement post on my site, there is like a link to like a magazine finder type database. I can't remember it right now. Otherwise, I would just say what it is. Um, but we can definitely make sure there's links in the show notes. So if you're having trouble finding a copy near you, we can make sure that you get that link to the the thing that's really useful that I don't remember. Um, but it's a special issue. It is only going to be on sale uh, basically until copies run out. So it's a limited print run. They don't print extra if they sell really fast. So if they sell really fast, that's it. Um, and they will not be available anywhere in about a month. So it's pretty much we've got a month to go get it. But it's an entire special issue on the autoimmune protocol. And I wrote the whole thing, um, including creating the recipes. Um, and it's I basically decided to treat it as my opportunity to, you know, write a new autoimmune protocol sort of like quick start sort of guide. I, I really thought of it as, you know, my challenge was put everything that any somebody new to the army protocol needed to know in one place to get started and, and really just have all of the base information to get healthy. But then I also took it as an opportunity to sort of update some topics, uh, integrate more of the gut microbiome information, you know, talk a little bit more about vitamin D, for example, about fat quality. So some of these interesting tangential topics that really require, some additional focus. And so it's also, you know, at the same time as it being just amazing sort of all in one guide and magazine format. Um, it's also a little bit of an update to the AAP, which was really fun to write. And it's really, it's, I mean, I, I'm, I think it's so beautiful. So the, the paleo magazine team who, uh, edited it and designed it and, generally worked with me with, you know, the outline and I wrote too many articles. So, you know, worked with me in terms of prioritizing, 
uh, what would get cut. Like that whole process was so wonderful. The entire team there, I mean, they're just pros and it was so wonderful to work with them. And they really created a magazine that like completely married the like paleo magazine style with the style of my website and the style of like paleo principles. And like, it just all just came together just beautifully. So I'm really excited about it. And I don't have a link so people can go buy it. They can only, they can only buy it when they go to stores. I personally see them at Whole Foods and all over the place. So make sure when you're out and about, out and about, that you check it out. Um, I was just saying Canada, out in a boot. Yeah, I was trying to mimic Canada. Yeah. Actually, country. I come from the out in a boat side of Canada. There you go. There you go. Um, anyway, I'm sure we can talk more about it um, later. You go get some rest. I just wanted to mention that since it came out and our listeners might have seen it and not even realized that that was something that you worked with them to custom mm-hmm. create. So thank you so much for tuning in. We will be back again next week. Maybe not talking about vitamin C and chlorine. Maybe we <laughs> will. Who knows? Let's see how quickly I get over this jet lag before I make any promises. <laughs> exactly. But no matter what, we will be back with a topic. We promise. And we look forward to checking in with you again soon. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to The Paleo View. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes. You can also support us by shopping for our favorite paleo products on the sidebars of our individual websites or by donating through PayPal. It is not the same bat time, (laughs) but same bat channel. It is all of those things. (laughs) Uh, How are you? I'm, in truth, I'm so tired. <laughs> I can barely string together a coherent sentence. Um, having massive, like, jet lag induced brain fog. So, we're going to have a great podcast today, is what, it, what it's going to be. Wunderbar. <laughs> um, so, here's the thing is, I can't carry talking about the NTA conference. Like, that's not. <laughs> can't leave that one. Wait. You can't just do that all by yourself? Try as I might. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.